episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris? Doing very well. How are you doing, Jody? I'm alive and not unwell. As the saying goes. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Got a question for you, Jody. What um, is it? You and I have relatively similar workflows these yes. days, I think, when we're mixing. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I know that I use in every mix and have for a while, and you do as well, but what prompted you to really start using buses when you're mixing? Reading an article about Michael Brower and his mixing technique is the early impetus into how I started using buses. So you wanted to be Michael Brower. <laughs> I didn't want to be him. I just thought it was an interesting idea of using what he did to route things in parallel. Yeah. And that was the initial impetus. After that, it was more or less coming up with organizational things in regards to production music requests. And that took it well beyond Michael's idea of using buses. Yeah, because I was going to say, the, the way that I know you to mix, you're not necessarily browerizing as the No, as not the at all. I, I, I stopped doing that pretty much altogether. Right. I mean, obviously, it works really, really well for him, and he has his workflow, and that's interesting. That's not what you and I do, mm-hmm. right, what we're talking about. Maybe we should specify first, before we go into here a little bit, what actually the the process means that we're talking about here. And we're talking about routing instruments to a bus to have like control over that instrument group. Yes. Now the the easiest thing would be to think about drums, right? Mm -hmm. Each individual kit piece and overheads and stuff go to a drum bus. Same thing with guitars or vocals or what have you, right? So right. so that that's the process that we're talking about. But let's go back a little bit more before we dive in to, you said production music there. Yes. How did that change for you as far as like a workflow with mixing? The requests that came in for how mixes needed to be presented to a library or a client And it became an issue of how do I make this easier on myself from an organizational standpoint for outputs? Working in Logic to do the different outputs, initially I was routing things to a bus. So I had all my drums to one bus. I had percussion to another bus. I had bass on a bus. I would put guitars on a bus. I would put synthesizers on a bus. I'd put orchestrations on a bus. All these things got their own individual buses. And initially when I did that, I was doing each bounce by muting out or soloing a particular bus just so that it would go to the main output. And then I was outputting six or seven outputs of the same thing, and it got tiresome that way. And of course, I went even further so that I could do all the outputs at the same time (laughs) without having to bounce it a million times. But I started doing that for ease of dealing with outputs. That was the initial reasoning of moving things to buses like that. So maybe... We'll explain that a little bit more for people that might not be super familiar with what we're calling production music and when you're writing for libraries, where Mm -hmm. a lot of times a brief will call for 
an a cappella mix or it might be like an instrumental mix or there might be if you do an underscore there would be something that no melodic elements that type of right thing, it's right? just the underlying motive of everything musical without the melody right what you're describing there is that with routing everything to their own bus it makes that process a lot easier as opposed to having just your mix everything is going to the two bus and you're now having to mute all the guitars or whatever. Right. And then you realize, oh, I got sends on here as well. So I'm getting it through the reverbs and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And at which point, if you're highly unorganized and you have guitars on channels one and two, 10 and 14, and then 36 and 48 or something, you're now searching through your arrangement going, where's every damn guitar that I put in here <laughs> when you're disorganized Yeah, then I think like you that. had different <laughs> you have, problems yeah, as well. <laughs> whole, entirely different problems that we've discussed in previous episodes. The idea became an organizational thing more than anything, just to make it easier. Yeah. And it did I'm change with, the way I used effects too. More on that later, I think. But okay. yeah, I, I had a very similar experience because not only was it, that, like mm -hmm. dealing with different mixes and outputs and things. One thing I realized also was that before I did this, if I had a mix that was automated and everything is going on great, and then client or whoever would go like, oh, that sounds really, really good. Can we just turn the guitars down a couple of dB? Mm -hmm. And now you might sit with 10 guitar tracks that have all automation written on them. Right. right. And that that's just a, a pain as opposed to just grabbing the bus and going, yeah, they go boom, two yep. dB down, and that's it. Provided you're not automating your bus. <laughs> right. But but that would be something that would I would try not to do. Sure. Right. I mean if you have to, yeah, of course you do that. But then there's like we're starting to like inception in the mixes now, right? <laughs> so uh, that was the, the turning point for me as well as the production music out and going that way. Sure. So now, there is a way that before we both started really using buses and it wasn't really available in Logic for the longest time. It's called VCA mixing. Yeah. And right. now Logic has that, which is an entirely different way to group a set of tracks together and manipulate them further. Sort of like having everything on a bus without a bus. Maybe if I'd have been going that route, I'd be thinking differently than I am now. Who knows? Yeah. For the automation purpose, that is great. But I still think that doesn't go around the outputting issue. No, right? so it if you're doesn't. Doing different mixes. But you're absolutely right. VCAs essentially do that. They solve that problem. Do you remember when that came into Logic? That was pretty late. It was. I imagine it was around version 8. Somewhere in that range. I, I Somewhere think around version have, 8 or 9. Really? Yeah, I, I don't think say it was it earlier was later. than 7. No, I think it was later. Actually. It doesn't matter. We're splitting hairs, but I want to say it was 10-something. But uh, No, it wasn't 10. It was earlier. It was before 10. Okay. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, we have a lot more control over levels here and outputs. What other kind of benefits do you see when you're doing this? You touched on effects before. Yes. So... Originally, when I was doing the Brower concept of parallel stuff, 
I would be doing multiple compressors in parallel plus reverbs and delays in parallel. And things like that, of that nature, I'm still doing. And the difference is, is that now, if I have, say, 10 guitar tracks, and some of them are acoustic and some of them are electric, I will probably use a different room or reverb sound on the acoustics than I will the electrics. Mm -hmm. And doing so, I'm routing a bus within a bus, so to speak. The acoustics will go to a bus that then routes into the guitar bus. And same thing with the electric guitars. I route whatever effects I'm doing with them into the guitar bus and all of the tracks that are related to guitar go to the guitar bus. And similarly, if I'm doing something with bass, anything bass related goes into the bass bus. Anything with drums in terms of the individual tracks plus any effects that I might be using on them go into the drum bus. Same thing with vocals. They all get their own separate effects rather than running all tracks to one reverb or all tracks to one delay. If I'm using the same reverb on multiple different groups, there's going to be one reverb per group. Right. Which increases processing power. Unfortunately, nowadays, computers have that. Back in the day, they didn't. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing. It's much less of an issue at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas 20 years ago, yeah, you get one convolution reverb and then your machine goes down to a crawl. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. But generally, besides reverbs and things, mm -hmm. how much processing do you generally do, if at all, on the buses? And I understand that it's different from, let's say, a drum or a percussion bus than it would be electric guitar bus. Right? That's but, but changed say, a little bit. Yeah. In recent, in the past year, that's changed. Initially, prior to last year, I wouldn't really have put any processing on the bus itself. Mm -hmm. And that okay. had a lot to do with routing. What I mean by that is I would route all of the musical buses to a final music bus. Yep. I would route all lead vocal buses, or there's really only one lead vocal bus, to a lead vocal sub bus, and then all background vocals that were on a bus to yet another sub background vocal bus. And those were the three buses that I would put any kind of processing on. That changed in the last year, and it so changed. What, what, what kind of processing were you putting on them, though? Are you talking very about minute, compression and stuff? Or, just or? very minute amount of compression, maybe not even one dB or maybe upwards of a dB, roughly, of compression. And if there was an issue between the vocals sitting into the mix a little bit, I might put an EQ on the music bus to scoop out where the vocal needed to sit, just a couple of dB around the 2K mark. -ish. I was going to say, that that's your... 2K thing, right? Where yeah, you where you just kind of yeah. tuck the vocal in by removing a little bit of what the music's doing. That has changed in this past year. And it's changed to where I now do that individually on each instrument group's bus. Instead of using the 2K trick, I'm now using Soothe mm -hmm. to yeah. side chain to the lead vocal only. And that is an really nice way to do the same thing on each instrument group's thing 
And then so all of those still run to a music bus, but I do nothing on that bus anymore. And the same thing with the vocal buses. And those give me additional ways to do outputs for mixes along with the individual bus groups. So do you do that on, you said, each instrument bus or do you do it primarily on like things like that are generally mid-rangey, like your keyboards and no, guitars? Each, and each instrument so even on like drums, even on and the stuff drums, like even on the bass, even on synths, hmm. even on the background vocals. Background vocals get soothe, side chain to the lead vocal to get it out of the way of the lead vocal as well. Oh. That is a good thing. I'm not sure I would do it on drum buses and things, but it works. Hey, I haven't tried it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've I've heard the the comparisons, and it, it is a really really cool trick because you're not just notching out stuff statically over the whole mix. Right. It's like just what when the vocal is hitting there. It's a And it also trick. becomes really unnoticeable because the vocal's already stepping in to fill whatever you think is missing. Yeah. So it's real transparent. Mm-hmm. You mentioned effects and things there as well. Mm-hmm. Let's go over that again. You used to have, for sake of argument, let's say that you used to have like an ambient reverb that is adding some space to acoustic guitars or whatever, but you sure. maybe you have that on electric piano or whatever happens to be. Right? right. So now you're pulling that up on both of their own sand, or do you put that in line on the bus and use like a wet, dry mix on the reverbs? It's an individual bus within the group. Mm-hmm. So you're sending from the I'm sending from the instrument group to, to a bus to for the return. effect. And that bus's output goes to the bus of the group. Okay, say that again, because I need to wrap my head around that. Okay, the individual track, as you said, electric piano, has a send. And the Mm -hmm. output of the actual electric piano track is going to the group bus. The send is going to a bus for the reverb, as you asked. The output of that reverb is going to the group bus. So Got everything it. within the group is their output is going to the group bus. Got it. Yeah. What I thought you said first is like you sent from the bus, but I no, no, misheard no, no. you there because that, that wouldn't make sense. You would just get a feedback. No, it wouldn't make sense. You're right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. I'm assuming Let's, you would do it the same way or do you not? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing a very, very similar thing. The only thing that I would do differently than it sounds to you like you do – I tend to not group acoustic guitars with electric guitars. Oh, well, like it, depends on, it depends on that would be the song. Obviously. It depends on the song, and I might group the acoustic guitars individually. And I know that with recent changes with things that I've done in production music, I have to group melodic instruments individually. Yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. and that's a whole separate ball of wax. (laughs) Yeah, but it's the same kind of way of thinking. Now, that is, like you said, that's very much a production music. It's a specialized thing, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it just takes a little bit more of a setup when you're doing that. But of course, as you're sitting down and doing this, you might have a production music template where you've come across this enough. So it's already routed that way. Well, I've already got it. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. But, but it's one of those things, again, like with experience, you learn that you start anticipating issues that are coming up and yep. it's just, okay, how Well, the I crazy thing is, is as you're talking about this, I've applied that to artists mixing as well. Mm-hmm. 
It just makes sense. It does, yeah. Then it's a little bit of a different animal, right? I would almost argue that the output options notwithstanding would be like if you have a melody element and you also have a vocal, lead vocal, Mm -hmm. one is going to take precedent and that's going to be the lead vocal. Of course. Then if the melody elements that are there, if they need to come down or up because they're clashing with the vocal, Mm -hmm. I would almost argue that it's an arrangement issue. That's a whole different ball of wax, but yes. Yeah. I agree with that. But is that why you would do that so that you could say, okay, the – the keyboard answer thing here that we got going on, the little melody that's stepping over the vocal now? Or, or do you have other reasons why you might be doing that? No, it's entirely based around what's been asked for in production things. And with musicians or artists attempting to monetize their creations as much as possible, it only makes sense to create alternate mixes Got it. in the okay, same so- concept as production stuff would do so that they can put it out there in various different ways. Got it. Okay. So it's the artists that are requesting. No, they're not requesting because they don't know. I know. It, okay. <laughs> but I'm aware so of like that's not the kind wanting of service them to come back. Jody that's right. <laughs> I don't want them coming back. Hey, can we re-output this? Because I've been asked for that. That's not what I want. I want to have that output done and finished as part of whatever it is so that I can just say, you already have it. Awesome. Got it. Yeah. No, that, that makes absolute sense. So you're anticipating these options that where there might be like, hey, we need a karaoke version without exactly. a lead vocal. Done and dusted at output. At and it's already point. done and everybody's happy and I don't have to pull it out again. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, sounds good. I mean, I'm so, assuming you'd want to do the same thing. Obviously, some people, if they're not getting the amount of work that they want, it doesn't make sense for them to do this up front. Then they can have the client come back and go, hey, we need this done. And you can go, all right, this will be X dollars more <laughs> for me to pull this back out and do it. The problem that I run into, and I've just run into it again, doing an AB of a mix, testing out a product I'm actually going to mention today in the Friday Find. You were so intimate in listening to it. You're like, I couldn't really hear much of a difference, but if I had to choose, it was this one because of X. And the idea behind that in pulling that out to do it, to learn the piece of product that I'm referring to, the mix already within a couple of years of having done it, there was a plugin that I don't use anymore. I don't own the, the new version of it. And I didn't want to go back and reinstall something I don't have. That's a problem you're going to run into. If you do all of this ahead of time, you won't run into that issue. Now, mind you, eventually when I update to a new machine, I'm going to revert this old machine to the version where that would still be okay and I could just open it there. I'm not there yet. So I think forward in terms of that. Yeah, there is something to be said for that as far as like almost like archiving and stuff. And then to really hit home on today's topic here would be also that if you're having to go back and revisit a mix mm-hmm. where you're asked to do this, had you not employed the buses in the techniques that we're talking about here, it makes that really, really difficult because it you does. have to go back and familiarize yourself with a mix that you might have done 
four years a year ago. ago. <laughs> right. Or even a year let, ago. Let alone a couple of months, right, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It is a good way to sort of anticipate issues while at the same time just giving you like a lot more control over your overall mix. Right. right? So thus, what are the benefits? Like just run them down real quick. Well, I think obviously control of the mix. Uh, you, you have a lot more control over individual levels of groups of tracks. Right. That's the first one. The other big thing is that we've talked about here again, just like the, just the control of different mixes that you can do mm-hmm. in one pass. Control of the mix, I would say. It's just a big one because you have – the track count can get ridiculously high these days. It can. Right? If you're searching for that, like you said, if you're not the organizational kind, then I would implore you to try this out <laughs> instead of searching for all the individual tracks and making sure everything works. It's so much easier. It, it just is. takes a little bit of setup before you do it and – you're not going to go back and not do it this way, I don't think. <laughs> I haven't so, reverted back to it, no. I look yeah. at old mixes that I did prior to even getting into all this, and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? You cut yourself some slack because you simply didn't know better at the time. No, I didn't. And you, you also hadn't come up. Well, and you also hadn't come up against these issues that you tend to do eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, Man, it would be so much easier. I could solve this problem by just doing this, this, and this. Yeah, right. That's the experience that will get you. You've already mentioned like some of the kind of buses that you have. Yep. But maybe do a, a rundown? rundown of what. Yeah. So, well, the rundown so, is drums and mm-hmm. percussion all go into a drum bus unless it's specifically requested that metals only be on their own bus. At which point I would create a separate bus just for metals of percussion and drums. The next bus would be bass bus. So anything that is doing bass is going into the bass bus. So whether that is being like electric bass and or synth bass, they all go there? Acoustic bass, anything bass goes to bass. Got it. Next up, guitar bus. If it's requested for very specific things, and there's lots of different kinds of guitars for, like, say, acoustic and electric, as you mentioned earlier, and I mentioned earlier, I might break those down further. But otherwise, all guitar instruments go to a guitar bus. That would also include things like mandolin and ukulele as well. Anything stringed in the guitar realm of things will go to the guitar bus. Then I have a synth bus. Anything synth-oriented, whether it's pianos or horns or anything of that nature, that's going to a synth bus. The next bus up, lead vocals. As I tend to break out lead vocals based on section of song. I know that you don't do it exactly that way, but that's what I do. So I group all of the lead vocals and their effects and such to a lead vocal bus. I do the same thing with all background vocals. I do all background vocals, their effects and such to a background vocal bus. If there are things in the production that are more effects in nature, like rises and falls and other kind of weird blips and bloops, they go to an effects bus. Beyond that, if there is a necessary element of orchestration, I will do strings and other breakdowns of the orchestration for their own individual bus to a final orchestral bus. And, Do, and that but, pretty much takes care of all of my buses in terms of where I'm grouping instruments. What about yeah. you? 
very, very, very similar. The only thing that I tend to not do is group percussion back into the drum bus. Mm-hmm. I tend to have a percussion bus just for that because I that's an element that I tend to ride a little bit differently okay. than just the drums that tend to be. When you say you ride it differently, are you riding the bus? Sometimes. Okay. All of this depends on the song, sure. but that would be a thing where I like to have that little bit more control over. And also, if a percussion thing is not going through the entire track, mm-hmm. any sort of compression that I might have on the drum bus, I don't want that to be affected by percussion being in there as well. So gotcha. that's pretty much the only thing. Otherwise, I, there's no other difference, I don't think. I do the same thing with vocals backing vocals, orchestral elements, mm-hmm. and again, like an effects thing like transitions, like risers and booms and all this kind of stuff. Obviously, if you're doing more of a trailer type cue, right, mm-hmm. it would be, like you said, all the orchestral elements that might be like a brass thing, right. and a string thing, and, and woodwinds, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they tend to be used sparingly in just like any general track, so they would just get like, hey, there's a string bus. So, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, so I do a very, very similar thing. And one thing that you mentioned at the top that we both do as well is after all of this, mm-hmm. it goes in, all my instruments go into a music bus. Yes. And then lead vocal as well as backing vocals go into a vocal bus. Yeah, I do that slightly different, but yes. Yeah. So, But it's a very, very similar thing because I think you said you had a separate bus for lead Lead and backing vocals. Lead vocals and backing vocals at that level. And the reason for that is is for all of the additional outputs of mixes with the full mix in stereo, the full instrumental mix, the acapella mix, the vocal up mix, the vocal down mix, the lead vocal only mix, the background vocal only mix, and as well an alternate melody or the bass and drum mix. There's various mixes that all come off of these particular buses. And you can't really do a lead only or a background only mix if you have both the lead and background vocals going to the same vocal bus. This is true. So this is a benefit for you, the way that you have your template set up for doing all of these library music type of processing where we would have to spend another hour talking about that, I think. But I think we'll wrap it up right there and just say that once you start using buses in this way, you'd all agree that your mixing will get... Much more organized. Certainly more organized and more manageable. Why would we not want that? Exactly. Yeah. Moving on, we've got our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got this week? I got turned on to a piece of software that I will dive into later on this week by Stairways software called Keyboard Maestro. Do you remember the automator that used to be part of the Mac OS where you could automate yes. certain tasks? Mm-hmm. This is now essentially shortcuts, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. This is essentially that on steroids. Ooh. If you're the kind of person that do a lot of repetitive tasks, now you can do that with um, Keyboard Maestro. You set up these commands and you just hit a key command and 
it will do all that kind of stuff for you. Sweet. So it's something I'm kind of eager to dive into, but I've seen it demonstrated and it's pretty cool. Keyboard Maestro by Stairways Software. Mm-hmm. And you were going to bring up something that you had mentioned earlier in the podcast. So what is your find this Friday, Jody? Last week I mentioned UA had a pretty big week with Mm -hmm. updates and plug-in releases. This week I'm going with the Capital Mastering Compressor, which is one of the new things that they've just come out with. I just spent several days messing around with this thing on some... New Masters. It's a beautiful thing. It's a lovely compressor, and it does a lot of awesome things. It is modeled off of three different models of the mastering compressor at Capitol Records Studios. They've added some additional functionality that is not present in the hardware, and one of those things is a saturation group, which allows you to change the shape and how it saturates the sound. And then you can control the gain in plus or minus based on what you've done with the shape, which is pretty cool. They also have a switch that deals with how far down it goes. When the switch is off, bass affects the compressor just as it would. In the first position of that, away from being off, it affects a lot less of the signal using the bass. And in the second setting of that, it affects even less of the signal so that more of the upper range of the material is what's doing the compression and not so much the bass. The other thing that it has that's really nifty that's not on the hardware unit is a mono. Right, like a mono maker, basically. It's a mono Mm -hmm. maker, and then anything above that would stay in stereo, which is also pretty nifty. And I did an A-B comparison with the old version of the master to the new version of the master, and both you and I said the same thing. Oh, this particular version sounds a little bit fuller and a little less pokey and a lot more vibey, in a sense. And it's not a lot. It's very subtle, right? Yeah, but it is there. It, it is, is there. If, if you're really listening. And yeah, I can attest to it. It was the adjective that we both used. It was like it was a little bit warmer. Yes. And thus, I'm going with the Capital Mastering Compressor from UA. Awesome. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You'll need to be on our email list to be eligible for future giveaways. And we'll make sure that you don't miss any episodes of this amazing podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the word bus, and you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page, and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say see you next week. Have a good one, Jody. Thanks for listening, everybody.